millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sam Witwer talks Starkiller, Sheave, and behind the scenes of what led to the return of Darth Maul. Plus, a passionate call for a Dave Filoni-directed film. For me, <laughs> I don't think that there is a human being on the planet that understands that morality better than Dave Filoni and who understands the different facets of Star Wars because he trained under George Lucas for 10 years. This is Steel Wars episode 152, Sam Witwer, live at the Scum and Villainy Cantina. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. As well as the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Who made that Chewbacca noise just then? Was that you? Oh, can you do that one more time? Yeah, sure. Wow. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders, and I do love Star Wars! And we are live at Hollywood's Scum and Villainy Fan Cantina! We're two weeks out from uh, The Last Jedi. Very exciting. I'm not sure if anyone was watching TV last night. But uh, they had this special on ABC television about my T-shirt. And it was (laughs) on Jimmy Kimmel, the big Last Jedi Star Wars special with the entire cast, pretty much. They had no porgs there. Sorry, Ashley. (laughs) That's enough of the bizarre conversational heckling sort of action here. (laughs) Let's just chill out. Save for the podcast. And by that, I mean yours. (laughs) So they had all the cast on and we went, uh, my friend Blondie, Jason from Making Star Wars, and Laura Syracuse that's been on the podcast before who cosplays as Rose Tico. We're very excited. We got seated in this amazing position, three rows back. And we realized that they were going to film a sketch in front of us. And we're like, oh, maybe we'll get on television. That will be really exciting. And, and, you know, let's be clear. I know we're in Hollywood. I've been on TV before, but not American TV. <laughs> Which I'm not pandering to the audience. That is the gold class of television, all right? You guys nailed it. From <laughs> Dr. Phil to stuff that's worth watching. It's all pretty good. It's all pretty good. So we're sitting there. We're very excited because they're going to do this sketch. And I've got uh, Laura's dresses, Rose Teacow. I've got my Snoke Theory Sucks t-shirt on. And it only hit me this morning. The sketch was about BB-8 was there and he was giving a shout out to his new girlfriend who was a Dyson vacuum that was sitting in front of me. And I didn't get the pun that like there's a vacuum and then sitting behind it there's me with a t-shirt that says your Snoke theory sucks 
That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So I'm working in conjunction with the Kimmel organization there. But then there's like this M- the, like the warm-up guy, Don Barris, who's like a really quite well-known Hollywood comedian. He's the warm-up guy. And he's sort of talking to us beforehand. And he loves Laura because she's dressed as Rose Tico, but she's cosplaying as like eight cases of Red Bull. Uh, later on, he came up to us and he goes, hey, could you guys tell that I've barely seen Star Wars? Hell yeah, we could. <laughs> Kimmel comes out and they they do a few sketches and it's really funny. And then during the ad break, he talks to the audience. And he started with Laura because she's percolating. And normally they talk to one person and they go to the other side of the room. So I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get talked to. That's fine. But he realized that he'd hit such a rich vein of geek stupidity. So then he asked me about the Snoke theory. The T-shirt and what my Snoke theory was and what my favorite Snoke theories were and all that sort of stuff. And I have to say, I've been hit up so many times about people's Snoke theories and whether it's me hearing it from some kid at Long Beach Comic Con while I'm super hungover and Jason Ward's on the other side of the room laughing his ass off at how much pain I'm in or Jimmy Kimmel in between a taping of a nationally televised television show, both suck, all right? It's just... He asked me what I did for a living and I paused and I said, I I cover Star Wars news. And he's like, that's your job. And I go, dude, you talking to me now is your job. So how's that working out? He said, pretty good. And got a bigger laugh than my comment. But he's the star, do you know what I mean? And (laughs) during the actual show... He, he's, like, he's like asking all the, the, the members of the cast questions and he goes to Andy Serkis and you know, they start talking about Snoke theories. And then Jimmy Kimmel goes, there's this dude in the audience that just hates them all. I've asked him 11 times, he won't tell me one theory and he's got this t-shirt on that says, your Snoke theory sucks. Which you don't understand when I wrote that stupid little sticker In Australia two years ago, I did not expect it to be said on nationally broadcast television in the presence of Mark Hamill. Like, they sort of pan to me and I look like a complete lunatic. Like... (laughs) To my credit, if you, there's a few freeze frames of uh, people have of me like while I'm holding it up, and you can see my eyes looking over to the monitor, making sure I've perfectly shown the logo. <laughs> That's professionalism, you guys. That's how you shift merch, all right? The bit that you don't see on the show, it's like edited out. Mark Hamill looks over, and, and for those that maybe don't know, like Luke Skywalker, I just, I love, he's everything to me. He looks at me and goes, that's the font from the old Canna logo, isn't it? And then all of a sudden, I looked at his head and he's talking to me, but his head just starts sort of like spinning and, <laughs> and I nodded back, yes. And then he told the story about how Nathan Hamill, his first words were Kenna because he saw it on the toy box. And as he told me, he told me the story and I didn't reply anything back, but I did in my head say, yes, I know that story because your son told it on my award-winning Star Wars podcast. (laughs) 
but I didn't feel like it was right to throw that into the programming. But Don Barris, who knew nothing about like Star Wars and stuff, he came up to us afterwards and he said, man, I've been here for every show. I was here when they did the Lost finale. I've been here when U2 played. And he said, I've never seen an audience, because it was mostly Star Wars fans, that were just so happy and positive and amped up. Like that was, I don't know what you guys are up to, but... It's pretty good stuff. And from a jaded LA comic, I thought that was pretty good. And the, the thing was that some people don't like those T-shirts. The Your Snoke Theory Socks. Sometimes like, people think it's like I'm having a go at their theory. Like I've read it. But the joke is that even before I've heard your theory, it sucks. Like, that's the joke. The joke's on all of us because we overthink Star Wars so much. I was like, oh my God, these people that don't have the humor to understand the the joke in the T-shirt, how is it for them that they're watching TV and this T-shirt that they hate is on there? It doesn't really matter because anyone with that sense of humor would probably be watching Fallon, so... We're here to talk Star Wars, and uh, we've got an amazing guest. So how about we bring him out, you guys? He's appeared in such productions as Being Human, Once Upon a Time, and Smallville, but we know him from his work in Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars The Clone Wars and The Force Unleashed. Please welcome to the stage, it's Sam Witwer! How you doing, Sam? Good. How are you? Have you ever been into the audience of a, a in film and television? Have you ever been a, one of those in people? In front of a live studio audience? Yeah, like speak? in the audience, just being oh, a, in the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. What did you see? My buddy was doing a sitcom years ago, uh, so I would show up for that. Is and, your buddy and laugh really hard? I would try to laugh really hard. Is your buddy's name Jerry? No, he's not Seinfeld. No. Okay, all right. Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to work. My no, way it's up. all right. Yeah. I just got to LA and I'm trying to work myself up the ladder. Oh no, no, you can't start with me, my friend. Like, I, and I was end. like, I've got Whitwa, but I will step on his face to get yeah, to Seinfeld. I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too. Uh, two weeks out from the Last Jedi, how are you feeling? How, how's your excitement level? I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling. I'm uh, healthy, jogging a lot, eating well, <laughs> feeling okay. So you're doing like physical preparation for, for this oh, cinema I, journey. Oh, I eat every day, yeah. <laughs> every day? Every day, yeah. Sometimes more than once. Wow, only yeah. in America. Ah, it's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> here, here, okay, now, I don't want to, I don't know how to say this, but I, I really, I, I have a relationship with Lucasfilm, so I can say that I am very excited, um, but I know a little bit too much, so I can't really say much more than that. Does uh-huh. that make sense? Yeah. So you can say, what are you excited about? I'd be like, well, I know exactly. I can't tell you. <laughs> Does the bit that you can't tell me about involve Luke Skywalker igniting his green lightsaber and say, don't say anything, don't say anything. It has to do with your Snoke theory, and it actually does suck. <laughs> uh, sorry. No, but yours particularly sucks. Your Snoke theory sucks. I'm sorry about that, too. I didn't mean to spoil. Your theory is fantastic. His is terrible. <laughs> What's your theory? So then we can... He's snow. Yeah. I, I Nailed it. I think he's got it. Nailed he's... it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. Is, is there a chance we... Uh, I'm not even sure if you can say this. Is there a chance we might hear 
your sounds in the speakers during the film? I suppose there's always a chance. I show up to movie theaters all the time and make sounds near the speakers. <laughs> it's, I don't know why I do. I just, it's, I've been doing it for a long time. Wow, that's even better than Dolby yeah. Surround. Yeah. Just, just Whitwood behind. Yeah. yeah. Let's go back to the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And what's your first memory of Star Wars? Oh, um, well, there's two memories that kind of are on top of each other. One was my dad bringing me home a Stormtrooper action figure and me just being like, what is this? What is this? And what does this mean on his back? This little zero one one thing. What is that? And he goes, you know, nobody knows. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Oh, and I I thought that was so cool that no one knew and I was going to figure it out. And the other thing was that we... This is back when VCRs were brand new. And he got like, he was going to get a bootleg of Star Wars. But the first thing is you got a failed bootleg. Like someone really, they would bring all this camera equipment, really primitive VHS camera equipment into theaters. Dude, that relationship with Lucasfilm, what's... Yeah, yeah, Uh, it's too late. Yeah. It's so so funny, bootlegging the 80s, it's so not frowned upon now. Like it's a cel- people celebrate it now. Oh, sure. we, we taped every movie. No, I'm bringing, yeah, yeah. I'm bringing yeah, my yeah. cell phone into the theater and I'm going to put it on YouTube. Nah, good old-fashioned 80s bootleg. Oh, no, but yeah, you get to carry this VCR with you and have a battery pack beside it. and It was insane. But yeah, like there was, he came home with a videotape of 20 minutes of Star Wars. It was just 20 minutes of it. And he's like, we're going to get the rest. Don't worry. <laughs> but I watched that 20 minutes over and over again. So for you, Star Wars sort of started as an episodic television show. The 20 minutes, yeah, it did. And the 20 minutes had Obi-Wan and Vader fighting. So if that's a 20 minutes to sort of make you go nuts for Star Wars, that's, you know, it was pretty effective. Those flashback episodes must have... Oh, they were incredible. Yeah, the prequels? Sure, the flashbacks? Yeah. Oh, just the flashback when they were on Tatooine, do you know what I mean? Oh, that was weird. The pilot? Yeah, the pilot was a little slow. Yeah. Do those 20 minutes, are they ingrained in you more than the rest of the film? It was, it was Vader and Obi-Wan fighting, and then there was, I think, the gun, ba- the gun port sequence. And yeah, yeah, I think I have extra affinity for those two sequences because I watched the hell out of them. I interviewed a comedian in Australia, Lawrence Long, and his... One of his weird memories of Star Wars was when Luke Skywalker looks in the macro binoculars and he's looking for R2-D2, right? And there was numbers at the bottom of the screen. These, like, I think it was about eight numbers that were in big. Like, he watched it, you know, over and over as a kid and he was like, he just always thought, you know, the numbers were there. And then when he got a DVD of Star Wars, he realized that the numbers were actually just a well-timed broadcasting of the lotto numbers of that evening. And so now every time he watches Star Wars, he's like... Looking for those numbers. Where are those numbers? Where Where are the numbers? numbers? Yeah. Which I was trying to get him, I'm like, you should bet on those numbers for the rest of your life. Yes. they truly are your lucky numbers. You got to believe it. Yeah. You'd believe it. So so when you saw the first... um, the whole movie. What, yeah. what, what took you? Everything. Everything. I mean, I think for me, um, ultimately, the thing that makes it work more than anything is uh, Mark Hamill. Because he's just kind of the perfect point of view character. There's never a moment in all three of those original films. There's never a moment where you're confused by what Luke is going through. 
it's always pretty clear exactly where Luke is at, and that's all due to Mark Hamill. You know, it's protagonists, main characters, they're, they're hard to play because you really do want to tell a story and you have to decide how best to do that. And I thought that he did it about as well as you could possibly do it for those three films. Yeah, I like he just spoke to me so much and reacted how I thought you should react. Sure. And that led to me having a grudge with Han Solo for <laughs> so long. Because you know when they they first take off from Tatooine and he goes, What's that light flashing? He slaps his hand. That's and- assault. <laughs> I'm just like, dick move. Like, why is it flashing? That's a fair why question. Why is it? I, it's a fair question, Answer right? Answer the question, Han Solo. This is your ship. But he, tell, but he does tell... He slapped his hand, but then he, he told him, I'm losing the deflector shield. Go strap yourselves in. We're going to take the jump to light speed. I think this whole smuggling operation with is, Chewbacca and Han Solo... Like, I'm sure they do good work. I, I'm not sure how reliable they are with Spice. But the customer service could be lifted up a notch. A little bit. Don't slap the customer. Don't do that. Don't Just do that. explain why the light's going off. I think it's a fair question. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, man. Han Solo needs to up his game. He needs to like, take a page out of Virgin Atlantic or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. If I knew what really bad airline it was in America, I would throw in that reference. So just <laughs> discuss it amongst yourself. They know. Spirit? <laughs> Spirit. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Do you have a close relationship with Spirit as well? I don't want to wreck any of these corporate partnerships. No, I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. Luke was your character growing up? Yeah, I, the, the thing with him, and I think, because I, I, I don't know, I, my, my take is that his whole arc from kid all the way to Jedi Knight um, is one of the best described, most challenging, most kind of thought-provoking in terms of modern pop culture, you know, in terms of that modern pop culture mythology. And... Uh, and I love the fact that he starts out as kind of a nerd. And for the people that are like, oh, Luke's such a nerd, I'd be like, I think that's you being uncomfortable with the fact that you're a nerd. <laughs> and the thing is, is I mean, I think it's it, the thing about Luke is he's us. He's all of us. You know, we all think we'd want to be like Han Solo. And Luke thinks that too. You know, I want to be like that guy, mm. the cool guy. And I think what, a, what an interesting story that by the end of the story, the cool guy wants to be Luke. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Han Solo looks at Luke and goes, oh, I got to be more like that guy. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty cool. So being cool. It's all about being cool. It's not really that cool. In the, I, I, no. This is, like, <laughs> this is like the end of a really good Lisa Simpson episode. Right. Exactly. No, I, or I thought like an episode of 90210 or something where there's... You know, you know. At this point, you get the you know. In the as we're talking about being cool, you hear. <laughs> you know, because we're learning a lesson. So you're hearing the, the thoughtful version of the nine hundred two one zero theme. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Walsh has just like sat me down and taught yeah. me a life lesson. About yeah. How it's not all spice smuggling. Not in nine hundred two one zero. Yeah. 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 It's, it's all about just coming through for your friends and, and shooting when it counts. Trusting my feelings. Yeah. The best thing about that is I know when we get home, Jackie's going to go, we should have a Beverly Hills 90210 rewatch. <laughs> we should. We should do the podcast too. Oh, the Beverly Hills 90210 podcast? Yes. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. What about background characters? Who'd you love like in the background? 
Wow. Oh, God, there's so many of them. The secondary character. <laughs> I like Wicket. Yes. I like Wicket a lot. I thought that character was awesome. Wicket was... When you're in the right age, he was just your dream companion. Right. Like, to have a Wicket move in with you Mm -hmm. is... Which is... I've got, like, a a Persian cat that is very similar to Wicket. Right. And I realized I was just fulfilling this four-year-old life dream of living with an Ewok. Yeah. Like, like purchasing this flat-faced cat. It's sort of an E.T. thing, kind of, a little bit. Yeah. I I sort of... I've got this habit of... My whole life is about impressing, like, five-year-old me. <laughs> You're doing all right. I'm trying. I'm How trying. is his Snoke theory, five-year-old you? He did not know much about Snoke, no. um, but I'm, I'm sure he would have been had a very level-headed theory. He would be insanely impressed. He wouldn't know what a podcast was, no. but the fact that I'm just in, a, you know, like a fan cantina, uh-huh. he'd be very impressed with that. It's interesting that, you know, you're such... You're going strong for Luke Skywalker, but you know the characters that you're playing in the cartoons, right? They're the uh, direct opposite. Do you, do you long yeah. for a? Do you long for a? I don't know. The fact that you said dicks, then I said, do you long for? No, no, no. Very no. <laughs> On a very special nine hundred two one. That's right. Uh, do you long to play a character like Luke Skywalker? Um, you know, that's sort of what I thought I was doing a little bit in Force Unleashed, kind of like Luke Skywalker, but from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, sort of the outsider's version of Luke Skywalker. So Luke like, Skywalker, if you know. So more, less a bit 90210, more OC. More OC. Yeah. Yes, yes. A more Jedi from Chino. Chad Michael Murray Jedi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God. I this met, is getting I bad. met someone from Chino. I can't remember where it was. And the only thing I know about Chino is that you get told to go back there. Oh, you're from Chino. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, welcome to the OC, bitch. Like, it doesn't have mattresses on the lawn. It doesn't have what? Mattresses on the lawn. That's what they showed Chino in that. Ah, oh, okay. Ah, oh, that's disappointing. Then where do you get your mattresses? <laughs> Whittier. Okay. Gotcha. So when they're inside our homes, not on the lawn. Oh, ah. it's a bit conventional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wrong side of the tracks, Jedi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that was the whole thing. Is that if if you didn't play that character with a certain amount of uh, uh, a, weirdly a little bit of innocence or wide-eyedness, uh, I don't know. Any any time that I've had to play some sort of protagonist, I I always think about the lessons that I learned watching Mark Hamill mm-hmm. kind of tackle that. If that sounds, you know. The, was, was the Force Unleashed the first Star Wars thing that you did? Yeah, yeah. I started working on that in 2007, so that would have been 10 years ago. So you're a big video game guy. I mean, I'm 6'1". I'm not that big, but I'm like on the taller side sure I was more talking about your level of enthusiasm level rather of enthusiasm, than your, 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 your height because you're 6'1 yeah. right 6, oh, six feet six it's one? not a competition okay that's cool <laughs> but if it was it'd probably be 6'2 okay 6'2 six 6'2 okay. yeah. yeah when it comes to video games I, I mean I started playing with Atari 2600 stuff like that so yeah I go way back the wood grain one 
The what? The oh, wood. yeah. The wood grain one with the original Empire Strikes Back yeah. 2600 version. The Atari 2600 was my first Star Wars playset. Yeah? I had my Luke Skywalker X-Wing pilot, and we had the Atari. And because I was the youngest brother, I didn't get many shots on the Atari. Mm. So I remember just having Luke Skywalker. Because the knobs sort of look like, like laser guns or something. So. so you were like messing with the knobs while they were playing? Because that yeah. totally screwed your game up. But I love that it had the wood panels mm-hmm. to harken back when like grandfather used to carve video game consoles. He used to carve his video game consoles yeah. out of wood, right. <laughs> They'd go into the forest and find a good birch yeah. and say, this will make many fine video game consoles. That's <laughs> what they f- did. That's just <laughs> This will be a fine 4K streaming oh, console. This will be great. This will be my VHS. <laughs> this is 1895, guys. So what led to you getting the, this role? Uh, the Force Unleashed? Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess Lucasfilm created uh, a concept image of this character. An, an artist named Amy Beth Christensen painted Starkiller. Sort of like, this is, their, this is what we'd like Starkiller to look like, right? This is sort of feel, what he'd wear, what he looks like. And he had kind of a shaved head and sort of facial features. And then my buddy Dave Collins and someone else who knew my work from Battlestar Galactica looked at that concept painting and said, that looks a lot like Sam Witwer. Like, is he auditioning for this? And so they, David Collins took my uh, headshot, slipped it in the pile, and I happened to look exactly like the character. And then eventually they scanned me and made the character look exactly like me. But it was... You know, all of the actors and actresses that were hired for that, they used their likeness as well. Yeah. So when, when that artist met all of us, she was like, what? Uh, but I dreamed you people. You're real? And we're like, yeah, <laughs> we're from space. Hello. What was the audition sort of process? Terrible. It was terrible. It was exhausting. Because Hayden Blackman, who is a really, really good writer, um, he wrote these script pages. And sometimes when you get some pages to audition for... It doesn't really suggest a character. It doesn't really suggest what kind of guy this is. And you have to figure that out. You have to just bring something into the room. And uh, so I asked him, I said, how do you want me to read this? He's like, well, just read it. I'm like, well, yeah, but you could do this character like 50 different ways. And they said, well, then let's do it 50 different ways. And I'm like, okay. So 45 minutes later, I'm not kidding you, we were doing the scenes for like 45 minutes straight. By the end of it, I mean, that's like a 45-minute performance. I was very tired. How much through that did you regret not saying you could do this character five different ways? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think what it was is it was just an opportunity to show them how much of a Star Wars geek that I was. Because for Hayden, he said the moment that he knew that he wanted to hire me was during one of those versions, right? One of the 50 ways. There were like two scenes, right? And one of them, Starkiller is meditating and trying to forge, put his lightsaber together with the force as it's like, you know, floating in front of him. And it would be the first time, by the way, in Star Wars that we're going to see the process of a lightsaber coming together and that it's a force thing, not him doing this, right? And, uh, and he's supposed to be meditating and so I remember just, just being really, really tense and gritting my jaw and every now and then, you know, sharply exhaling, stuff like that. And so after we did that, he goes, I have a question for you. I wrote that he's meditating. Why are you doing it so tense? And I'm like, he was trained as a Sith. He doesn't know how to meditate. He doesn't know how you do this. He's trying something new. And he's like, 
you're a nerd. <laughs> so apparently that, that was when I got the role. It was when I... He leans over and whispers, you complete me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey guys, this episode of Steel Wars is brought to you by Harry's Shavers. Now, as we enter the holiday period, it's time to think presents. If you have someone special in your life that has a face that often has bristly hairs coming out of it, and sometimes they'd rather have more manicured or less bristly hairs coming out of it, give them the gift of Harry's Shavers which makes for a cool yet practical gift this holiday season. You guys already know that Harry's makes amazing quality products at a super reasonable price because they cut out that middle man at the supermarket. You're done, son. You're out of the middle. That is why over 3 million guys have switched to Harry's. You can put together custom gift sets that fit their particular needs or the coolest, you can take Harry's up on their personal engraving options. Now, this is a limited edition set offer from Harry's. This holiday, Harry's is offering custom and limited edition shaving sets that make perfect gifts. Sets come ready to gift in beautifully designed gift boxes. And if you are going to design a gift box, make it beautiful. My tip to the industry, the gift sets start at only $10 and they have many great stocking stuffers. Maybe a cool thing for a Kris Kringle or something like that. As a special offer for listeners, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off your order when you go to harrys.com forward slash steel wars and this offer is only available for the holidays so this holiday give harry's and give handsome get your holiday shopping done early and take advantage of free shipping to get a limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last go to harry's.com forward slash steel wars right now that is harrys.com forward slash steel wars the link is also in this episode's show notes a huge thanks to harry's for supporting this episode with sam witwer speaking of which let's get back to the show to do it like the combination of these two things that you love like quite a dream yeah it was yeah david collins and i who were friends before this uh and he played Proxy and yeah, the Force yeah, yeah. So we were playing best friends and we're like best friends in real life. And we were just like, this is crazy, man. Like, we're hanging out with my best friend, making our own Star Wars. This is stupid. All right. You know, that was what it was like. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure whether I, I'm meant to think, oh, that's really cool or be like super jealous and go, that's, that's crazy. Like, we to, were like, jealous play... of ourselves. It was amazing. It was like, great. To play Star Wars with your friend in a video game, it was legit. stupid fun stupid fun really really loved it and and that's what eventually led Dave Filoni to hire me for Clone Wars for some stuff like I'm not sure if it affects you in any way like if it like changes your state of mind but when they did the 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 canon reset Mm -hmm. and and that was sort of put to the side was was there any sort of like disappointment in that or no you know here's my confusion about the canon reset Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the stuff was never, like, canon in the way that people think, right? Like, George Lucas, like, you guys, you guys are all Star Wars fans, right? Yeah. Karen Travis novels, Republic Commando novels, you guys, anyone read those? Yeah? No? No? 
Okay, well, in that, it's about these Republic commandos. It's basically novels about clone soldiers in the Clone Wars. And they were really good. And they had, they, were, uh, they had a lot of Mandalorian culture in there. They were all warlike. And then when it came time to do that in the Clone Wars, George is like, okay, so the Mandalorians are a pacifist culture. <laughs> and, and Karen Travis was like up in arms. And George's plan was, we're going to take them from pacifists and show you how a pacifist culture gets super paranoid and starts relying on their warrior cast too much. Right, that was his plan, and eventually, that was going to lead to the Mandalorians as the people of Comic Con are. You know, all the different armor and all that stuff like that. So, George always looked at the novels, looked at this, looked at that, because one of the things that Karen Travis did was had the clone soldiers. They were all trained by bounty hunters on Kamino. Mm-hmm. That's something that's in the Clone Wars, right? If he liked something like Asajj Ventress, who showed up in the comic books, and ah, oh, yeah, we're going to use her, you know. He, he was really into that. He would look at that stuff, but he would always do his own thing. You know, uh, we're going to do a thing about witches. Uh, check out these witches of Dathomir. Yeah, that's them. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so, but, but the thing was is that take Marvel Comics, there was never an expectation that those movies that are doing so well are going to line up with the comic books. Yeah. There's never an expectation of that. And you know what? It would be nearly impossible for them to do that because you can make comic books a lot faster than you can make movies. And if you had to adhere to what each other were doing, it's kind of an organizational nightmare. So in Force Unleashed, that was a situation where I always understood it. It was, it was, this is like a tall tale. Yeah. Because when, when it was pitched to George, it was like, the force is going to be amped up to 11 for the purposes of this video game. And he's like, yeah, for the video game, that's great. But he would never allow that necessarily for the Clone Wars. Having said that, a lot of the things that happen in Force Unleashed, like Force Repulse, and all that, that all shows up in Clone Wars. So it's like everything borrows from everything else. Yeah. So when people are saying like, oh, man, the canon was reset, you're like, what's changed? You know, Thrawn was grabbed out and put in Star Wars Rebels, not in the same way that you remember with the same exact story, but something reminiscent of that. So you're just like, this is, nothing has changed. So I don't know that I understand fans being up in arms. There was always George Lucas's Star Wars, which was the movies and the Clone Wars, and then there was everything else. And he would borrow heavily from everything else. I'm going to go full nerd on you. You're not ready for this. Um... (laughs) Star Trek had an expanded universe as well. Oh, God. Okay. Star Trek had an expanded universe. When Gene Roddenberry started doing, you know, there were a whole bunch of books, there were role-playing games, there were this and that, all this stuff. When Gene Roddenberry started doing Star Trek The Next Generation, all of that stuff went away. All of it. Mm. You know, I mean, little pieces made it into the canon, but not really much. Star Wars fans were pretty lucky because George Lucas did go through it and go, I like this, I like this. I don't like the horse-headed X-Wing pilot. I think that's lame, you know? <laughs> but it's, it's kind of which way the wind is blowing because while they were putting out all the books and the comics and stuff, they were sort of a bit ixnay on the it's not canon A. Wh- who was what? With like, what now? like how it was put forward that it was it was an all connected universe, and then like there, there right, was, there but was there wasn't was a- there in one of the first canonical books? Wasn't there like a whole thing where Luke Skywalker knew about some? Straighten me out on this, JD. <laughs> Luke Skywalker heard some song on Tatooine on the radio, and it was like Darth Vader and his many prosthetic parts, <laughs> and that's canon. 
Yeah, that's like, come uh, on. Really? No, it's not canon. There, there, would no, there would not be some band like the Beatles and Star Wars who yeah. write a song lampooning Darth Vader. First of all, most people at that time don't even know who he is. And secondly, uh, I think you get killed when you do that. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? But no, but apparently that's canon. It's all, it's all connected. No, it's not. Shut up. But it's the, the, the fan perception. There, I mean, that's, well, that's the thing. It, it's the that perception, is, it, I, and, and I can hear Pablo Hidalgo saying, but it is canon, Sam. You know, like <laughs> I can feel his presence behind me. And yes, that is the, the, the intention, even with the old stuff, Karen Travis novels, all this stuff, the intention is to have it line up. And then when something doesn't line up, they retcon it and they change it or whatever. But the reality is all these different mediums have different times in development, different levels of involvement to cook novels are basically one or two people writing a novel getting approval from lucasfilm but writing it right well that can be done a lot cheaper and and probably quicker than making a movie but what if the novel does something that invalidates the movie or vice versa it's like you have to reconcile these things anyway yeah so you know it's no skin off my back (laughs) kind of i it sounds like you took it pretty well. Yeah. Well, again, you know, it's like yanking down Star Destroyers and, and having Force Push send a guy like five miles that way. That's amazing for a video game. But if suddenly the Jedi started doing that, how did they lose? You know? <laughs> how did they lose the war? So, What was it like the first time you played your character? Uh, Starkiller? Or yeah. One of, amazing. I loved it. I loved it. Because ultimately, while I understood that this was kind of a tall tale, it was fun to think that some of George's ideas, that we were going to get to play with those. The idea of a, a hidden Sith apprentice and all that stuff. And, you know, the, the core mythological elements were something that fit within Star Wars. It's just the video game elements were different. You know what I'm saying? So after you first played it and then you watched like A New Hope again and the Star Destroyer came over, you'd be like, yeah, like I could pull that down. down if I want to. Yeah. Down. I could totally change the course of this. See, game. I always thought, if we're, <laughs> you know, in, in the video game, he yanks the Star Destroyer out of the sky. I figured in real life, he was just like, where's the pilot? There he is. Mm, the pilot's like, whoa. <laughs> no, what are you doing? Dude, pull up. I can't, sir. <laughs> and everyone's like pulling on the, on the wow. flight stick and Starkiller's like... Yeah, that's the thinking man's force. That's right. That's, well, look, the other. Why go to so much effort? It's the lazy force yeah, users. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. the way. It instead of doing a whole ship, just some dude's thumb. So you know what it comes down to is if you think that yanking a star destroyer down out of the sky is awesome, and that's kind of Star Wars for you, then it is. Then that's it. You know, I mean, people really kind of need to take ownership of what it is that they think is cool and what it isn't. You know, it's like. When you hear someone talking about like, oh, we're doing this thing and it's canon and the thing hasn't come out yet. And you're like, I'll tell you what canon is. Canon is what people want to be canon. Yeah. You know what people believe in, what people like, what, what meant something to them, right? Mm-hmm. So Star Wars is like your own personal Star Wars is whatever it is you need it to be or want it to be, whatever speaks to you, you know? So if you think Star Destroyer is yanked out of the sky, because I guess Luke is doing that now. <laughs> original um, <laughs> no, Luke Skywalker is biting you. No, he's the first guy man like I'd copy him left you know I'm just gonna call him a ripoff artist I'd be a huge hypoc- uh, hypocrite but you know if that's awesome if that's something that people enjoy then that's that's 
part of their story, then that's mm. cool. You know, so I don't want to invalidate any of, any of these comic books or because I, I read this stuff. I also enjoy it. Um, and there's, for example, those Karen Travis novels, which are not canon. There's elements of that. Hell, look, when we were well, working now, on... Now they're double not canon. Oh, my God, I know. Right, she was not canon. When it was canon, it was not canon anymore, and it's done. Yeah. You're fired. You're, uh, you're all done. They got broken up with, and they weren't even ever going yeah. out. Well, the, you know, the whole thing is um, the fun of it in working on this stuff is making certain things canon, but not having people know about it. Like, for example, when we were doing Darth Maul for the Clone Wars, um, the script says that he's just mumbling a bunch of stuff in that cave, just saying a bunch of crazy stuff. And I'm like, let's have him say the Sith Code, because then it's canon. You know, I'm like, yes. (laughs) And it made it in the episode. So I'm like, oh, guess what, guys? Sith Code is canon. Deal with it. Ha ha. (laughs) You should have listened closer. But that's, that's, you know, but the thing is, is that's things that Dave pulls in are things that he's read and that he liked and that were part of his canon. So he made it part of his canon in Star Wars Rebels or same with me. Anytime that I'd ad lib or throw there, there are some things that I've thrown in there that suggest that other things are canon as well. So it's fun. Getting on the Clone Wars. How did that happen? Uh, Force Unleashed. This is, okay, I'll just give you the, my speculative version because Force Unleashed, when it came out, it came out around the same time. It, it was really around the same time as The Clone Wars, that theatrical film. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Clone Wars was serving the younger fans and Force Unleashed was serving the older fans, right? Um, the people that enjoyed the original trilogy more, that were older, that were our age, and then the younger fans, prequels, Clone Wars. You know, that's kind of how it was. Yeah. Around season, I guess they're going into season three, and this is speculation on my part, right? I, Dave didn't tell me this, so this is, you know, if someone wants to tell this story, this is me saying a bunch of crap. But by season three of Clone Wars, Clone Wars was serving servicing the older fans in terms of the uh, maturity of the storytelling, the content, the things that would happen in the story. Because Clone Wars every year aged itself. You know, it aged with the kids that grew up with it. So if Clone Wars, when it started out, was for eight-year-olds, by season four, it's for 12-year-olds. And 12-year-olds, that's where, you know, George Lucas made The Empire Strikes Back for 12-year-olds, you know? So, yeah. so by the time you get to season three and four, it's reaching the maturity level of the Star Wars movies, right? And I, my suspicion is because Force Unleashed was the, you know, the adult Star Wars, <laughs> like talking about a movie series for 12-year-olds and I'm calling it the adult fans, right? <laughs> but because that was the older fans, I think they were trying to, because they had me and Adrian Wilkinson who played Maris Brood in Force Unleashed, they had us come over to Clone Wars to play these characters on a planet called Mortis. Um, my character was called the son. She was the daughter. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that she was the good side of the force and I was the bad side of the force. And it was this weird dreamland. And uh, my theory is because they wanted to be like, hey, look, no, we're, we're doing mature stuff now. So let's see if we can get some of those fans to come over. And I think that's why they got me and Adrian in the same episode. Mm-hmm. And after I did the, the Mortis thing, <laughs> which was... I mean, some of the most like exciting Star Wars stuff like ever, because George was just cracking open the. F- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And throwing out a bunch of really interesting stuff. <laughs> Don't do it, man. I see it happening in your head. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm just I'm picturing George in Skywalker Ranch just cracking open packets of the Force. Yeah. Whatever they are. Just cans of it and just pouring it double fist. It doesn't come in cans. It comes in little packets like soy sauce. <laughs> but it's... That's canon, actually. Delicious. Delicious. Yeah, it's really good. Um... And so from that, from the, the character of the son, after we did three episodes, Dave, um, I think it was, <laughs> it was like in a pickup session, not long before it was going to air. And at that point, there was suggestion that Darth Maul survived. And uh, during a pickup session, Dave is like, hey, so uh, what do you think about this idea that Darth Maul, <laughs> that, that he survived getting cut in half? What do you think about that? And I'm like... You're a shoo-in for the animated Filoni adventure. I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave, uh, you're fired. I don't think that's a good idea, George. Okay, you're hired. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> this, this company's been employing me for 10 years and look how I repay them. Um, he doesn't work there anymore. It's cool. Dave does. <laughs> and now yeah, I'm doing an impression of him. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> so Dave's like, yeah, what do you think about he, Darth Maul's alive? It's crazy, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's crazy, dude. He's like, yeah. Anyway, we might have something you know, coming up for you in terms of a role on the show. And I'm like, like a bounty hunter? And he's like, you're an idiot. Okay. <laughs> And I really didn't know what he was talking about. And it wasn't until like a year later that he calls me up and he goes, um, he just said to me, I need Darth Maul. Can you do it? And he wasn't asking, are you available? He was asking, will this be, will I regret it if I hire you to play this role? So So, so let me get this straight. You were a little bit like, yeah, I don't know about Darth Maul coming back. But then the moment he goes, do you want to play him? You're like, that's a great idea. Yeah. Of course he's coming back. Oh, I mean, of course he survived. Oh, we never thought he died. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> Absolutely, bro. Cha-ching. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> That's my impression of me, by the way. Yeah, bro. Yeah. It's such a weird thing that your you is so much worse than your Filoni. Because I'm a much worse person than he is. That's why. <laughs> And George Lucas. Yeah, yeah, that Whitworth guy, he sucks. Yes, yeah, I have to keep hiring him, though, because he's Darth Maul. So, so what is it like? You're such a fan of this franchise, mm-hmm. and like Darth Maul coming back, your initial thing's like, oh, that's a bit weird, and then you're playing him. <laughs> well, that what, was... What, what, <laughs> were you bracing for the announcement? Well, no, 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 because... Because when Dave asked me, I need Darth Maul, can you do it? It was the implied information there is, this could go really badly. I, I need the right guy for this. Is, are you the right guy? And furthermore, you know why this is important, right? Because we're going to be killed. They'll, they'll destroy us if we get this wrong. 
And because we were that worried about it, I don't, I don't think we were looking, we were like, man, it's going to be amazing. They're all going to say I'm Darth Maul. And, oh, you know, no, 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 it was just like, it was just terror, you know, because he's a fan favorite character. And if you do something that the fans don't like, they will always remember that. And, uh, and, and also knowing for a fact that like, okay, so he didn't die. But if there isn't some cost to him being cut in half, if there isn't some definite thing that happens because of that, then it's a big cheat. He can't just show up and be like, hello, boys, I'm back. <laughs> can't, you know, that's stupid. It's terrible storytelling, and you, you have to do something dramatic. That is one lit cut scene. Thank you. Yeah, no, we cut that scene. <laughs> I'm back. No. Um, so, so George had this idea that... that this guy was, you know, the, falling down that shaft, somehow sucked him into a garbage system, got transported to this planet. His hatred kept him alive and the dark side of the force. So he was just holding on to his mortality, which, as I guess it was explained, the whole thing is that the Sith can't really conceive of a life after death. That's really not, that's not in their wheelhouse, you know? So when, when Obi-Wan says, if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Vader's like, say what now? You know, he's <laughs> no idea what that means. Because for the Sith, it's all about accumulating whatever you, you can mm-hmm. in this life. And that's it. And so, and that's why Palpatine is obsessed with eternal life. And why he's, you know, in Return of the Jedi, he's like 120 years old. But he's still holding on to everything he's got, you know. Uh, Vader gets chopped up into pieces and burned but he holds on to what he has and there's the same thing with Darth Maul he's cut in half but he's holding on with you know white knuckling it because if he he's afraid that if he lets go he loses everything whereas he's completely missing the point so the idea is he's so obsessed with himself and the Sith are so obsessed with accumulating things give me things give me power give me money give me relationships give me everything well the pathetic version of that is accumulating garbage, which is kind of, right? So he's crawling around on Lothal Minor, cut in half. I, I have to say, when you said accumulating garbage, there was a lot of collectors in the audience that just looked down in shame. Yeah, you should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> uh, all of you, I look down on you. Um, but he's crawling around on Lothal Minor, and pieces of garbage are sticking to him. Mm-hmm. He's accumulating these things. They're all be- everything's being drawn toward him because everything is about him. And obviously, you know, like in real life, if someone is too self-absorbed, their reality starts going away, right? They actually become kind of crazy. You know, you, you become so self-absorbed, people don't... I feel like you're directly having a go at me right now. <laughs> Uh, you know, we've overplayed the Dino 2-0 thing, but I definitely want to go there. So, so eventually, because of the dark side of the force, these pieces of garbage take on a life of, them, of their own. You know, it's like it starts forming these spider legs, and he starts getting around on them. And he's eating garbage, and he's living in garbage, and he's completely gone mad. So that was what we were going to start with. And we knew, we're like, you know, there's going to be like 50% of fans are going to see this spider guy and go, that's not Darth Maul, man. You, you ruined it. Screw you, you know. And 50% were going to be patient. And then we hoped that once he got away from being Spider Maul, that the 50% that hated it would go, oh, I get it. You know, like, and thankfully that's how it worked out. 
they they understood once he regains his sanity, starts building up and starts rising and taking over planets and all this stuff, that they were, we were eventually going to give them the Darth Maul that they want. We would, dude. It's funny because I'm talking about this because we talked about this for months before we even performed it. Yeah, we were that worried. We would have, I'd be shooting Being Human in Montreal, and we would have two hour conversations on the phone about Darth Maul and what he was going through, and and literally plotting out the story. He's crazy. He's in a cave. He's eating garbage, and then. We first thing when he gets the mechanical legs is we're going to give you the Darth Maul from Phantom Menace for a second, and then we're going to go beyond it. We're going to add a sense of humor. We're going to make him this brilliant tactician. We're going to make him completely arrogant. So every episode we were adding personality traits to this guy, all with the hopes that anyone would like it. You know, yeah. <laughs> so was there any at any point that you were just like make the character that was Darth Maul? Let's just make him Savage Oppress, or let's not make him. Actually, think, Darth Maul. You know, that I think was the original idea. I think George was... Because here's the thing. People don't realize this. Do you guys know that Darth Vader was supposed to die at the end of A New Hope? Does anyone know that? You know that. Vader died at the end of New Hope. And George saw the movie when he was working on it. And he's, and he's like, you know, uh, why don't we make a shot where he's flying off, spinning around, and, he's, uh, and he just flies away? And they're like, well, we don't have time. Uh, you're fired. Hey, you, why don't we make a shot with Darth Vader? And he's like, yes, sir. You know, um, <laughs> wow. I, that, so, is, that is news to me. So you're, George you're Lucas. news on this podcast. Yeah, me. George Lucas had a similar feeling about Darth Maul. I apparently thought, yeah, it's too bad I didn't keep him around. Mm. So then he started getting into this Dathomir thing and these witches. And Katie Lucas wrote the stuff about the Night Sisters and the idea that Darth Maul came from this planet and the facial tattoos and all that stuff. And he came up with Savage Press. And I guess once he waded into that pool, he's like, let's just go for it. Let's tell... Because the perspective that we all had once we all bought into it was, imagine if you're watching Revenge of the Sith, right? And, you know, I was like, I have the high ground, Anakin. Oh, you underestimate my power. No, seriously, don't try it. Oh, look at you. And he's like burning and stuff. And imagine if you're watching Revenge of the Sith. He's on the shore. He's in pieces. He's on fire. And Obi-Wan's going, you were the chosen one and all that stuff. And then Obi-Wan picks up the lightsaber and Anakin bursts into flames. And then Hayden Christensen says, I hate you. And then you cut to credits. If this sequel that happened 20 years later or whatever had Darth Vader coming out aboard the Tanta V4, all of us as fans would be like, oh, bullshit, George. Oh, he survived. And he's been, he got cut in half and he was burned. So I think everyone's perspective was we've seen this before, just in the reverse order. The, let's, make, let's make the statement that these Sith guys are nearly impossible to kill because they're so self-obsessed. That's good. Because I'm like, I love your portrayal of Darth Maul in the cartoon, and I, I like the character. But him coming back was always just like, like you, you're lessening death. Like, do you know what I mean? We're gonna have this eternal like, whenever anyone dies, it's like they're gonna come back, and you're yes. gonna keep death at like, like it's death, and you've got to keep it like at this heightened thing. So when it happens. It's upsetting. Like when Han Solo died, it was like, he's never coming back. Except for in The Last Jedi. <laughs> You're fired. But that's a, that's a good explanation. That's a good explanation. Well, I mean, again, with, with the Sith characters, 
again, the whole idea is obsession. They're completely self-obsessed. That's what their selfish philosophy is all about. So if you're that obsessed, you know, a Jedi, if he was wounded like that, if he even survived it, he would just let himself go. He'd say, did I do well when I was alive? Yeah, okay. Well, this is okay. I'm going to die. But and, Sith, uh, never, never. Whether it's for a movie screening or a sweet, sweet Christmas present or treat, the Steel Wars merch store is shipping every day up until the holidays. We've got the Ignite the Green. Will we see it in The Last Jedi? The infamous Your Snoke Theory Sucks. Plus more, plus you get free downloads. Plus, I always chuck in a bunch of stickers too. And it all goes towards the continued production of the very podcast you are listening to right now. Check it all out at steelwars.com. And and what about with the Emperor? What did you go into to uh, nail that one? I forced. Oh, oh can, can I just, can, can, please, can it be that you like sat in a bath for like three days to really wrinkle up, to get into the vibe? <laughs> Calgon, take me away. Bubble bath. No. <laughs> um, no. No, that's not what we did. I was a, I was a jerk. I was doing Force Unleashed and uh, I said, is, is Ian McDermott going to be performing the emperor and they said no and i said well then i think i i got a guy and they're like well we already have a guy i'm like it's me and they're like no i'm like yeah i should do it and so so hayden blackman's kind of going oh no my lead actor is having an ego meltdown and i have to accommodate this and somehow not I can play everyone basically I think that's I think they were all in terror they were all like what what does he want from us now what's next and and so I don't know he I was talking to David Collins and and, and the thing is I I said that I wanted to do it before I really knew if, if I could if I could do it so I felt like kind of a dick but it wasn't going to stop me <laughs> so <laughs> Um, so Good I, attitude. Good I worked attitude. on it a lot. No, I, here's the thing. I, if, to be fair, there have been a lot of situations for Star Wars roles where I have not gotten some part that people said I was going to get or, or something was going to happen and then it wasn't going to happen. And in a lot of those situations, I did nudge them toward other actors. So I'm not a total Sith, you know, egomaniac. I, I do go, ah, this guy would be good, this guy would be good. In this particular case, I somehow thought that I would have been better than the guy they had. And my reasoning was, I didn't think the guy they had understood the character. You know, like he does the voice all right, but I don't think that he understands the character as well. I don't think he's much, I don't think he loves this as much, is kind of my yeah. opinion. So d- basically during one of the read-throughs, Hayden was like, hey Sam, because the Emperor lines came up and David Collins specifically said, do not in the read-through, whatever you do, don't do the Emperor. Because what we'll do is I'll record it, I'll pitch it down, this and that, and then we'll sell it that way. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I won't prepare it or anything. And then during the read-through, Hayden Blackman's like, hey, Sam, so you can do the Emperor, right? Go ahead. Go ahead. And I'm looking at David, and he's like, I'm sorry. You know? And and so I, I winged it, and apparently they liked it. But what did you think that essence of the character is that the other actor didn't get that you did? Humor. Humor. The emperor does not laugh frivolously, but when things are going his way, 
it's the best day of his life, you know? <laughs> when he's when Yoda's jumping around and he's fighting him oh, in the he's Senate. the best time. He's yeah. like, finally, this is it. Well, he's going like, my entire life I've been hiding. And I've killed Jedi, but sent, I've sent them on suicide missions. I've started a war. I've never gotten to kill them myself until like just now. And those Mace Windu and them came over. I got to stab a dude who didn't even do anything. <laughs> And it was amazing. And, and now I'm fighting Yoda. This is, the, this is incredible. This is, you know, that's, it's a very specific choice that Ian McDermott is making. Big day. Yeah. He's like, this is the best day of his life. It's incredible. He gets to finally be himself, right? Um, and so, yeah, there was a line in Force Unleashed that I thought, this is funny. And, and I think we need to go for the laugh, which is he has all of his enemies arrayed in front of him, and they're all captured. And he... Um, he says something, I think I remember the line, he says, uh, you are all traitors to the Empire. You will be interrogated, tortured. You will give me the names of your friends and your allies. And then you will die. You know, and people laughed when I did it that way. And I was like, yeah, he's, he's having fun. Oh, he's having a good day. That was so good because I got like how annoyed I was when I was five years old. When like the Emperor's like going... Your pitiful rebel friends. Like, I was like, you wrinkly prick, you're going to get yours. And when you started doing it to me then, I was like, yeah. well, that whole thing. Oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite oh. operational when your friends arrive. You know, I mean, come on. He's got a sense of humor, this He's guy. sending tremors from him. It was so annoying. I've got, like, such this, like, childhood built-in annoyance at that. He's, Ian McDermott was, I think, 38 or 39 when he performed that role. Wow. Yeah. He, they just put him in old makeup and let him do his thing. And I, you know, anytime that I perform the Emperor for a video game or for Rebels or whatever, it's, it's only ever to keep the seat warm for him because... That's his character. I'm doing it the way I think he would. I'm not trying to take it in some new direction. Have you had a chance to talk to him about the voice? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. I'm Sam. Oh, hello. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm you when they can't afford you. <laughs> <laughs> and he must have been like, you must be so uh, busy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I must go over here right now. <laughs> yes. what, what, when you're doing... Clone Wars, what sort of interactions did you have with uh, the maker, George Lucas? Little, little interactions. I've met him on hey, a few a occasions. a lot here. Yeah. Um, he would give us notes through Dave. Um, I would get some calls from Dave. <laughs> Literally was on a vacation in the middle of doing something with some friends and stuff. And I get a call from Dave Floney and he's like, hey, 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 are you, are you uh, alone? I'm like, well, no, not really. He's like, I just need to tell you right now. We just screened the so-and-so for George, you know, the, the rough cut. And he called your performance gold. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, all right, bye. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Literally, I'm not even kidding. That's, that's pretty much how the conversation went. It was that brief. Um, and I, George wrote me a nice letter when I got the Emmy nomination for Darth Maul. So like, you know, he's been very kind to the Clone Wars actors. Very, very kind. And uh, so, yeah. You know, I've had a few conversations with him. Um, I don't know if I remember what the hell I was saying or what he was saying. I remember one of them was talking about the uh, 1940s pace of Star Wars dialogue when it's done right, you know. Because George Lucas, the, you know, the, the, 
the legend with George Lucas is that he doesn't really he doesn't work with the actors. He doesn't do anything. All all that he said during the first movie was faster, more intense. Right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, do it again, faster, more intense. Uh, do it faster. Do it more intense. Do it again, but better. You know, like. But if you watch that movie, thank God, thank God he was saying faster, more intense. Because can you imagine? You know, like can't get out that way. Looks like you managed to cut off our only escape route. Maybe you'd like it back in your cell, your highness. I mean, you you want to kill yourself, right? <laughs> but when you when you give it the faster, more intense direction, mm-hmm. when you put it in a 40s pace of dialogue, can't get out that way. Looks like you managed to cut off our only escape route. Maybe you'd like it back in your cell, your highness. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, it's like, it's, why you? You want to hear someone say, say, I yes. swell. Why yeah. you? I mean, it's just... It's just so snappy. You never get ahead of any of that dialogue. So no matter how bad Harrison Ford says, you know, you can write this shit, but you can't say it. I mean, yeah, but it's Flash Gordon. You yeah. know, you want to be Buster Crab. You want to have Buster Crab say, well, then, hey, this is Daylord and I'm Buster Crab. You will be destroyed. What? You know? Yeah, it's almost like a Star Wars trope that when they're in the most danger, that's when people are at their funniest. Like, yeah. It's like, let's do a little stand-up routine now yeah. while we're, we're, we're shooting, which is, uh, I like that. I like yeah. that. It's, it's 1940s stuff. It's, it's cool. Now, um, I guess you, you're most well-known for doing you know, Darth Maul and, and the Emperor and stuff. Have you ever had a yearning to, like, on one of the cartoons, to develop your own long-running character? Is that like a goal? Uh, sure. I mean, you know, for me, I just kind of do what they ask me to do at this point. I, uh, end up doing all kinds of weird stuff for yeah. Lucasfilm. Like, you know, they just announced that there's going to be, you know, three, this Ryan Johnson trilogy and a TV mm-hmm. show. Like, do you hear that announcement and you like make sure your headshots are in order? Well, you know, you, you know, my, my take on that is... I've I've been very very lucky in my career. I mean, I I make a living doing ridiculous things every day. Um, so I've I've kind of had my share of luck. I would never count on the possibility of you know getting some running character in Star Wars movies. I would just never count on that. I'm like Star Wars is already given me a hell of a lot. I don't think it owes me anything. Yeah, you know? I don't want to quote the movies too much, but <laughs> in my experiences. There's no such thing as luck. You got, some, you, got, you got some skills, buddy. Well, you got some skills. You know, but here's the thing. I know a lot of people who have skills. I mean, my God, we live in Los Angeles, right? I, I know people who should have been extremely successful actors and just weren't. Their number didn't come up, right? I mean, you know, so for me, I don't know. I, I Instead of... You know, going, ooh, I wonder if I can get in on that. I'm just kind of going, I'm just, I'm happy to be associated with this company. And I'm happy that they keep hiring me, even though I make fun of everyone that I work for, including Dave Florian. <laughs> that they tolerate me at all. And, and they've been, I mean, extraordinarily generous for, to me. I mean, there's, I could, I could tell you things right now that would, that would get people in trouble if you knew the kind of nice things that people have done for me at that company. You know, things that you just go, who, who gets this? Look, I've stayed at Skywalker Ranch, for God's sakes. Who gets to do that, you know? So for me, I'm like, I'm good. I mean, if they want to have me into audition, surely I will be there. But I'm not, you know, 
this is my chance, or Star Wars owes me. No, I owe Star Wars. It's, yeah. We've got a, a little bit of time. So just before we wrap up, there's a microphone just there. And uh, thank you. So if, if anyone wants, has got an, an audience question for Sam. Sam, I'm Dom. Hey, Dom. Uh, came down from San Francisco. And uh, I really admire your work in Star Wars. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, from Maul to Starkiller to, uh, you know, Palpatine to the embodiment of the dark side, how do you get yourself into that space to be just, I mean, I'm, hi, I'm Sam, but I'm the dark side of the force. Um, well, for, the, for example, for the, for the mall in the cave stuff, um, that wasn't fun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, the, all the screaming and the gnashing of teeth and all that stuff. I mean, ultimately, sometimes to have the entertaining effect on the audience, um, it's not all about fun and games. So, uh, yeah, I went to some kind of unpleasant places and just lost my mind in the booth and just, I don't know, just did, did stuff. There's, I mean, there was, there's a, a deleted scene from Mortis uh, um, where I believe the sun is talking to, to Darth Revan and these other dark side spirits, right? Um, and that was the moment, by the way, the reason that scene was cut Dar- uh, the son talking to Darth Revan and stuff like that is because George was like, no, they, they can't, Sith can't manifest. We have to make that point right now. They can't manifest beyond death. Um, but, you know, for that particular scene, I remember, like, before I went in the booth, I just kind of made myself cry because the character's supposed to be crying. So it was just like, it's not always fun to perform, but hopefully it's fun to watch. Yeah. So, Yeah. No. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, hello. Oh, um, my name's Alex. Also very fond of your work, Sam. And I was thinking about what you were talking about with the Emperor, how he's having the best day of his life, you know, when he gets to do Order 66 and he fights Yoda and all that. But in that scene with Yoda, there's a part where he jumps for the door and Yoda blocks him and says, if so powerful you are, why leave? And he says, Darth Vader will become more powerful than either of us. And they start to fight. So how do you interpret that, that he was trying to flee the battle? Well, Sith are also extremely fearful. I mean, you know, uh, fear is the path to the dark side. You know, that's the whole thing. So it's all in there. It's, it's ultimately when the battle is going well. The Emperor doesn't have much of a sense of humor when things aren't going well. <laughs> but when things are going well, it's hilarious. It's hilarious to him. So the fact that that battle with Yoda that he not only survived it, because he's afraid of this guy, but then, oh my God, I'm, wow, this is working out. This is cool. Okay, yeah, he's putting up a good fight, but so am I. Um, so it's that. I mean, remember the Sith are, where that, all that self-obsession comes from is an extraordinary insecurity. And the way they try to fill the hole in their heart is they try all the wrong things and they become obsessed. So that's, that's what that is, I think. My, my opinion. My opinion. Nice. Anyone else got a question? What's your Snoke theory? <laughs> Turning the tables. Uh, yeah, I'm not at liberty to say what my Snoke theory is. <laughs> it's, look, I'm, I'm not, I would not term myself to be on the inside or anything like that. But 
I've been with around the company for like 10 years and there comes a point where the you know sort of scuttlebutt rumors theories that you hear from people the longer you've been around the company the more that those are just not rumors they just are what's going on so I I know a little bit too much so I, I there's you know so you know Snoke facts not theories <laughs> is what you're saying as I said I know for a fact that everyone's Snoke theory sucks except yours <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's up Kanan What's up, Ma? Sorry about the eyes, dude. Right. Still's gonna get mad at me, but basically, <laughs> my daughter uh, wanted me to give this to you, who sat next to you at the season four premiere at Celebration. Oh, cool! She didn't want you to know that she was crying under her bucket. Oh, <laughs> oh so she does. Oh, she does Sabine. Yeah, but yeah. No, she I just remember. left you that, so uh, now everybody else can have their time back. Oh, thank <laughs> you so much. I promised her I would uh, pass this to you because she's babysitting right now. Awesome. Okay. Did she? Uh, Wow, yeah. No, she even repainted her bucket uh, per seasons, huh? Yeah, uh, that means me, because I have to repaint it again, because season <laughs> oh, four see. came out. Yeah. So, well, good job, Lizzie. You're yeah. welcome. Yes, good job, Lizzie. Thank you for standing around and being like, hurry up and get it done, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. There is, there is nothing worse than being looked down at by a teenager. And when Lizzie told me that she was repainting her uh, Sabine helmet to be season four colors, and I'm like, oh, the color's different each season. And oh my God, I, I've never felt a lesser human than the look she gave me. <laughs> it was just pathetic. It was very sad. Sam, thank you so, so much funny. for being with us. We have got an endless stream of, of Star Wars stories to come. We've, we've got the TV show, we've got books, novels, we've got these, uh, the Ryan Johnson trilogy, and who knows what else. But what are you most looking forward to or would most like to see happen in the Star Wars universe? Uh, <laughs> there, there's a, there's a uh, director that I've worked with that I really think should probably direct a Star Wars film. I'm, just, I'm not going to even name them. But if people have been listening, uh, they probably know who that is. So, he's, you know, I'm just going to say it. When's Dave Deblone going to direct a Star Wars movie, right? Come on. <laughs> right? Look, my, my thing is this. It's when it comes to Star Wars, um, everyone thinks they know it. And they're right to a certain extent, but they're also wrong in other ways, right? And what I mean by that is this. Charles Lippincott, uh, he, was, he worked on uh, the first Star Wars and he worked on the marketing and he worked on all these, yeah. all these things. I hope I'm not wrong about what he, what he did. He, he's doing some really fascinating um, stuff on Facebook where he's just downloading and uploading his memories to the internet in terms of what his career has been like. He's a fascinating guy. Very uncensored. You're very uncensored. But one of the things, someone asked him at one point, they're like, are you sad that you didn't go on and do the Star Wars sequel? You know, it was called Star Wars 2 at the time. Mm-hmm. Turned turn into the Empire Strikes Back. Are you sad that you didn't do that? And he's like, no, no, no. I, I mean, I got out when the getting was good. And like, when was the getting good? He's like, before that Muppet came along. <laughs> and they're like, are you aware, Charlie, that that Muppet Yoda has 
is widely hailed as one of the most beloved characters in film history. And he's like, really? <laughs> and this is, I think, if you, if you listen to what he says about Star Wars, it's, he, he explores it. He became, I think that interview, which happened years ago, created a certain curiosity that he had about, like, what has this become? Because I was not aware of that. Like, where did this go? Because now there's been six movies and video games and this and that. And he's, he published a, a thing about video games and had the Force Unleashed front and center. I mean, he was reading about all this stuff. And I think he's curious, what did I help start here? Mm-hmm. But he went on to say this. He's like, Star Wars, the reason that the sequel didn't work for me and Jedi didn't work for me is that Star Wars at its heart is Hidden Fortress, the Akira Kurosawa movie. And I don't, I don't see where he lost that in, in number five and number six. And you go... Charlie, you're right. Star Wars is Hidden Fortress, but it's also a whole bunch of other things. You loved it because it was Hidden Fortress. But then the other stuff that it was is what it became, and as it continues, it becomes even more things. It encompasses more. All under the banner of one central morality, right? Mm -hmm. If you keep that morality intact, that's the key, right? And for me... I don't think that there is a human being on the planet that understands that morality better than Dave Filoni and who understands the different facets of Star Wars because he trained under George Lucas for 10 years. George Lucas taught this guy everything he knows for 10 years, specifically making Star Wars. Him and George, 10 years. Give this guy a Star Wars movie. He'll give, you know, there will be something new there, but the core mythology, the morality... I swear to you, it will feel right. There's never a moment, even, look, me and Dave have arguments all the time on stuff, but there's never a moment where I hear his perspective and don't think, oh, damn, that's really interesting, or that's a really good point. I may not agree with this, but wow, I hadn't thought of that. Uh, He's an extremely thoughtful guy. He's extremely talented, and he knows this stuff in his DNA by now. So, yeah. Wow, there I go. That's my apology for doing an impression of him. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Witwer! <laughs> Sam, I thank you so much for coming down. Where can the good people of the internet track down your internet presence? Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> Twitch. My presence. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, what is it? At Sam Whitwer on Twitter, I think. Uh, I've never seen anyone think so hard about their own name ever. <laughs> I, I do social media in kind of an obligatory way. Um, it's fun, though. It's fun. I, yeah. Nothing against it. At Sam Whitwer at Twitter. Uh, Sam Whitwer on, on Twitch, I think. Mm-hmm. There we talk about Star Wars and all kinds of crazy stuff, and I just make sounds at myself while playing video games. It's ridiculous. Awesome. <laughs> hey, everyone that come down today, uh, I really appreciate it. I it's cherish the next two weeks. It, it's so exciting. It's so fun. Soak it all up, and the goodness that Star Wars brings in this bizarre time is is tremendous. So make some memories that you can talk about for for decades to come a huge round of applause for all the crew JC and all the crew at Scum and Villainy (laughs) down in Hollywood awesome fan cantina it's it is bizarre to podcast 
in this round. I've performed in some dives in my time. <laughs> but this is a truly great high. Never find a more wretched dive of yeah, scum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and hopefully we can uh, come back and do it. Maybe we'll do a, uh, a Last Jedi uh, discussion in January. Thank you guys. Stick around, have a drink. Uh, I'll be here hanging out. Just grab a sticker, they're free. And may that force be with you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that really fun episode recorded at the Scum and Villainy Fan Cantina in Hollywood, California with Sam Witwer. I thought he killed it. So much great insight. I, uh, I, I'm really happy with that episode came out and I would love to get it out to as many people as possible. So if you guys could help out and I always pin the latest episode to the top of the feed, if you could drop us a tweet, if you give us a retweet or a share on Facebook and spread the word if you, uh, if you got something out of that and you think other Star Wars fans would as well. Listener word of mouth is one of the most powerful forms of promotion for a podcast, so I really appreciate it. You can also get on iTunes and give us a sweet five-star review. It bumps us up the rankings and vouches to other potential listeners that we're doing good stuff, and that would really help me this week uh, because there's going to be a lot of people looking for Star Wars content on YouTube, so uh, just Click subscribe in iTunes, write us a little review if you can, and uh, you've done your part. You've potted it forward. If you are new to the podcast and uh, you want to hear more, I've got some recommendations for you. Uh, If you want to hear about Laura Syracuse, who I went to Jimmy Kimmel with, who cosplays as Rose Teakow, you want to hear about why Rose Teakow and uh, Kelly Marie Tran is so important to Laura, check out episode 148. If you want some more deep diving episodes like Sam provided into the lore of Star Wars, I recommend you check out 141. One live at Nerd Melt in LA with Kyle Newman, the director of Fanboys, or maybe episode 136 with Full of Sif's Brian Young. But, um, you know, we're up to episode 152, so go back into the archives and check out what we're doing. We also do uh, most of the time weekly, the schedule is a little bit out at the moment with all the events, a weekly live call-in show, which is like Talkback Radio for Star Wars fans, and uh, you can call in and talk to me and a guest about the week's Star Wars news, and the problem is at the moment there is so much news. Going forward into The Last Jedi, we've got our Last Jedi uh, premiere in Melbourne, uh, 12 o'clock, Star Walking Inc.'s um, the infamous, infamous midnight premieres, and we'll be doing a live podcast directly after that at about 2.30 in the morning at Seamus O'Toole's, which is next door to the Village Cinemas where the premiere is in Knox, Melbourne, Australia. I'll be flying back Monday for that. Um, make sure you subscribe to youtube.com forward slash Steel Wars. I'll have some uh, pretty fun reaction videos to the film up there. Um, this Friday, 
on the Collider YouTube channel. The Star Wars Schmodown will be going down with myself, Alex from Star Wars Explained, uh, Joe Scrimshaw, uh, Geek Girl Diva, Sam Witwer, the big trivia contest, and then the winner goes to Battle Ken Napzok for the World Championship of Star Wars Trivia. It's all good fun, or is it? Is it the most important thing for me to win ever in my life? We will see this Friday. But either way, we will have a... Steel Wars episode breaking down what went down and going into the backstory of Alex from Star Wars Explained, uh, one of the leading YouTube channels for Star Wars on YouTube, which is the best place to have your YouTube channel, he told me. Insights like that and so much more. So that'll be an early episode just to get on the wave of interest in the Schmodown. And uh, hopefully before The Last Jedi comes out, on Tuesday, I'll be able to release my little blog podcast of my trip to Yuma, Arizona to visit the set or the former set of the Sarlacc Pit. And that was quite the time. As soon as the movie hits uh, Melbourne, Australia, which is about a day and a half before... Uh, the rest of the world, or where I currently am now in California, our live reaction podcast will be up with a, a sea of Australian uh, Star Wars fans, whether they be media personalities or comedians or podcasters, will be hitting the stage and uh, immediately after the film, a, a live reaction. And the, the last two we did for Rogue One and The Force Awakens are still up on iTunes and... Uh, some pretty good hours of my life, you guys. So uh, if you want to recapture the magic of that, go check that out. Uh, make sure if you uh, want to take part in the Harry Shavers uh, Christmas promotion, you get $5 off and uh, access to some pretty sweet presents if you go to harrys.com forward slash steel wars. And um, you got all the teas and the stickers at steelwars.com. And um, what a ride that your Snoke Theory Sucks sticker has been. And uh, if you want to just listen to some comedy podcasting, my other podcast, I Love Green Guide Letters, uh, reviews, in inverted commas, a uh, complaints to the Australian TV guide in the newspaper. People actually complain about TV to the newspaper. And then I complain about their complaints. It works out perfectly. That is called I Love Green Guide Letters. As I said at the end of the live podcast, um, these are the golden hours for Star Wars fans. The uh, the anticipation into the next film, the hanging out at the front of the theatre, the nervous energy, getting your seat, and then seeing that Lucasfilm logo. Enjoy it. Enjoy it a lot. And may that force be with you. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Also, for more Star Wars podcasting, check out the Making Star Wars Podcast Network at makingstarwars.net. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.